Hello and welcome to the Delphian podcast. Delphian is an artist-led nomadic gallery focusing on emerging and early career artists. Each episode will feature a different art world practitioner, from artists and gallerists to collectors and curators. If you liked today's episode, please like, share and subscribe. Hello and welcome to the next edition of the Delphian podcast. I am Benjamin Murphy and because of the self-imposed quarantine that we've had to um, undergo due to coronavirus, um, this is a special edition in which we weren't able to bring any guests here, but luckily me and my guest live together. My guest is your other co-host, Nick J.S. Thompson. Hello. Hello. Yeah, so a bit of an odd one this time, isn't it? Yep. Um, so, all right, for people who know you as 50% of Delphian mm-hmm. um, and may not necessarily know you as an artist or why you got into, why you entered the art world, yeah. explain a little bit. It's a little bit odd me asking you questions that I know the answer to, <laughs> yeah. but um, for the benefit of the listeners, maybe tell them a little bit about your art practice and how you entered the art world. Okay. Um, so... So basically my, my work is, uh, photography and, uh, I first got into that a long time ago when I was maybe 14 or 15. Um, and I used to ride BMX and, um, basically used to document the subculture, I suppose, looking back at it now, but at the time it was just taking pictures of my friends, riding bikes and having a good time really. And then, and I, I sort of knew that I wanted to be a photographer. Um, and as I got more into it, uh, I started taking pictures of other things as well, landscapes and just sort of my local area. And then as, as you do when you're a young photographer and then, um, yeah, so, so I wanted to be a photographer and I, I didn't know what sort of photography I wanted to do for a long time. And I went through many stages I went for a while. I wanted to be a product photographer and, Sounds and then incredibly dull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you glad I, that you uh, didn't go down that road? No, now? I used to quite enjoy it. Setting oh, really? up still lifes of food and styling shoots and stuff like that yeah did, you, really did you do things like use pva glue instead of cream and <laughs> yeah. all of that yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah i used to do that um and then i wanted to be a documentary photographer for a long time sort of a photojournalist and sort of had uh, visions of myself being some sort of don mccullin war photographer but then realized i didn't have the balls for that so yeah, you uh, didn't want to get your legs blown off pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah and then and then i just sort of was taking pictures of, of what was around me and uh where i grew up was in the countryside and uh and a small town called banbury so i used to take pictures around there and um and i used to like taking pictures of sort of stuff when it was uh when it was empty and that's basically been what i've taken pictures of for for many years now just i used to get up really early like four or five in the morning go into town and take pictures of the aftermath of nights out and empty town centers and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, basically I, I, I didn't really know what to do with my photography at that point. And I didn't really know what area I wanted to go into. So I did a art foundation course for a year, um, did all sorts of stuff from sculpture and obviously as, as you do on your foundation, sculpture, design, all sorts of things, but, and still sort of thought that I wanted to carry on with photography. It was my favorite. Um, and then I was going to go to university to do photography, but in the end I turned down the place that I got right at the last minute and didn't go and went traveling instead. That's a good, 
good uh, good question actually so um a lot of people often ask us what, uh, is going to art university necessary do you ever feel like you regret not going uh yeah in some ways but in some ways not i think looking back um i think i would have gained a good grounding in theory and a lot of the sort of academic side of it in practical sense i don't think i missed out on anything because basically when i uh, i basically made moved to london and worked as a photographic assistant for several years so so practically i learned everything on the job and was earning money at the same time not getting myself into massive debt which was always yeah, a plus so you you didn't go to university and I, I did mm. um, and we're both basically in exactly the same place now mm. so although although I have a lot of student debt so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah I suppose that proves that it is possible do you um do you ever feel like so yeah so when we did the podcast with um, Charlie Peters and Gemma Hickman um, it was a panel discussion one of the questions that we got asked was do you ever feel like there are barriers um, within the art world because you didn't go to university so not just in terms of like what you may have missed out on but yeah. do, pe do you ever think that people do people know that you don't, didn't go to university and do you ever feel like excluded from anything because of that no not unless I tell them and and in fact nobody asks surely right? nobody, nobody's ever asked and to be honest the only barrier I think would probably be in my own head yeah I think the sort of self-consciousness and uh, sort of self-doubt is the only thing that would ever hold you back from, yeah. from that aspect um that's from yeah. my point of view so maybe te maybe tell uh the listeners um a little bit about 55 and how you first started working in in the art world yeah so um when i was traveling i met someone who um knew a photographer called Christopher Sims who lived in London and when I got back from traveling she contacted me and asked me um, whether I was available because he was looking for an assistant so I applied and then moved to London to become his assistant and as as I was started working with him he had this idea to start um, at first it was sort of a online interview channel on YouTube um, where we'd go to fashion weeks and other events and then interview people artists celebrities all sorts of things um and it was pretty much a big black we, we mm -hmm. had a camera and a microphone and we used to rock up and and sort of uh, walk the walk yeah do on the fly interviews um and then and then from that uh, it progressed onto a magazine that we used to release um biannually called 55 pages um so i became the editor on that magazine and we used to cover arts fashion uh, culture that sort of thing and that's how we first met um what year was that 2012 it was november 2012 12. Yeah. okay yeah yeah so we featured ben um on when he was doing his first uh solo show in london yeah and then we met through that and then became friends and that's how the delphian partnership started um yeah so what made you decide that you wanted to get into curation and why did we start delphian um so perspective i think well, I mean, for years we'd, we'd sort of co-curated, unofficially co-curated each other's shows, hadn't we? So um, each time we'd have an exhibition of our own work, we'd help each other out um, with um, layouts and which work should be included and just, just general curation, really. Um, and I think um, 
And, and we also used to help out if you, you'd done a couple of group shows, hadn't you? Like the Christmas show that you mm. you organised and stuff that I was, I was in. Fuck Christmas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get, that was 2012 as well. Yeah. December. Um, yeah, so I think it just was a natural progression, really. It's sort of saying, well, we're doing this for ourselves. Why don't we do this for other people and, and make it a bit more serious? And then it obviously it jumped into the a lot more of a um, solidified form in 2017 when Stuart Watplington from Print Space. Or 2017? 2017, I think. I suppose I should know that really, shouldn't I? Yeah, 2017, yeah. When, yeah, Stuart Watplington from the Print Space um, approached us and said that he had a website that he'd made for um, a gallery that he was going to start through the Print Space and he didn't have time to run it. He built this thing and he said that he'd been looking at some of the, the sort of shows that we've been doing over the last couple of years and, and he said did we want to have it and he said he gifted it to us basically and it was free website yeah. incredible um opportunity and had an e-commerce built into it and all sorts so yeah it was it was a great we totally rebranded stripped everything out yeah and added all our own artwork and stuff yeah, yeah. so yeah so that's how that's how we've sort of uh, came into our current form yeah so it's kind of spiraled a little bit out of control isn't it like we didn't really plan for it to become what it has yeah I mean, it was it was kind of like let's just do a couple of shows yeah <laughs> and then now it's like it's just this beast it's taken over our lives <laughs> it's moving and you can't stop it <laughs> yeah so how has um running a gallery affected your own work um i think it's it's uh the way that i've put on exhibitions has changed quite a bit so my last solo show perforations um was a lot more immersive and and it had a lot of other aspects that I'd never in, in sort of included in uh, in exhibitions before a lot of my previous solo shows had been photos on walls in frames very classic um and I think that the presentation and the curation of uh, my last show had changed a lot um it was um, quite experimental and there was lots of there was like sculptural elements made out of um, salvaged neon tube lights, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Do you think um, running Delphian has made you? Do you think it's affected the amount of work you make? Because I think I make I make less work now. Yeah. I think it's probably because we're spending so much time doing Delphian. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, I don't make anywhere near as much work as I used to. But do you think it's a worthwhile trade-off? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I suppose you must I mean, do, or you wouldn't be doing it. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Delphian Gallery is a lot more successful than I am as a personal artist. So yeah, the same, the same is probably <laughs> so, true for me. So, yeah. so um, I suppose in that way, it's worth a trade-off. Yeah, we've got probably, you know, ten years. No, maybe a little less. Eight years experience being an artist. Yeah. Only Delphian's only two years old, and already it's way more successful <laughs> than both of us combined. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> So, next question. What is it? I don't know. Usually I uh, will let you fill these gaps with a question, but um, you're being interviewed, so (laughs) responsibility is all on me. Um, So, has it taught you anything about being an artist? Because I know for me, um, there's a lot of the the stuff that goes on behind the curtain in the organization of an Mm. exhibition or the admin and all of that stuff um, that galleries do that artists might not appreciate. And doing it myself as a gallery for other people has maybe made me realise and has made me approach um, my own work in a different way. It's definitely made me realise why galleries take 50%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they definitely earn it. Yeah. 
or some galleries do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's affected my personal practice to be honest that much. No, I don't think I, I don't think I'd say it would. All right. Do you want a big question? Yeah, go on then. One of the emergency ones that we ask everyone. Um, or maybe a different one. What's the biggest uh, mistake you've made as an artist or as a gallery? Or... Ooh. Fuck, I don't know what that is. Whilst, whilst you're thinking, maybe I can throw one out there. Yeah. My last London solo show, we opened on what was both the hottest day of the year and was the day of the World Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> we opened at the time of the... No, it wasn't the fight. It was the semi-final. <laughs> but I think England were playing in it. Yeah. It was the semi-final. Was it the quarterfinal? I don't know. I don't know anything I about football, was the, but yeah. I think it was the semi-final. I'm not sure. But it was a big match anyway. It was the hottest day of the year. We, it was, we opened at like 7 p.m. when the football started <laughs> in an area of London that we didn't... Yeah, really. No, a new area we'd never yeah. shown in before. Yeah, so maybe I mean it was a learning experience, but maybe mine was that. <laughs> probably looking back, probably wasn't the best decision. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then that's good. It's interesting to say that because it's it's hard to if you're planning these things months in advance. We didn't know that England would make it through to that even, stage. I didn't even know there was a World Cup that year. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so there's there's definitely things out of your control that you can't you can't alter. Yeah. Mm. I think um, it was also Marcel Proust's birthday. Um, we opened on Proust's birthday, and that blinded me to anything else um, because the space, Fanboy. yeah, the space that we hired said that week is free, um, but it's summer. They said freeze week is also currently free, and I thought a lot of the shows inspired by Proust, it would be opening on Proust's birthday, so let's do that. Yeah, and then fucking hottest day of the year. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe mine was that. What was yours? I mean, I suppose you were in, involved in that decision too. Because yeah. It was... So, yeah, I think one mistake I've made, I've made it a couple of times actually, <laughs> is uh, overestimating demand for your, for, for, for your own work. So ordering like 100 copies of a photo book and selling five. <laughs> and then they sit in a box underneath your bed for months. So, I think uh, we've all done that kind of thing yeah. to varying degrees. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a bad one. I, I think also... Um, when you're starting out on a project, um, not doing enough research is in, uh, doing research is an incredibly important part of it. And I've definitely embarked on projects when I haven't done anywhere near enough. And then it becomes apparent later on down the line that I should have should have done more because it would have it would have helped me um, in ways down the line. I've got a good example actually. Something that maybe wasn't a mistake but was pretty fucking reckless. Uh, explain Fano. <laughs> okay so that was one of my exhibitions was a body of work called Faino and it was it's folks so Faino is an island off the coast of Denmark and it's covered in second world war um Nazi bunkers concrete bunkers um from the Atlantic wall and we went there on a trip for a long weekend where I basically made all the work and Ben was helping me yeah I was your assistant for a day yeah um and we were yeah so to get into these things they're all sort of closed up um, now, well, a lot of them are closed up, so you have to crawl in through these tiny little spaces between Basically, bricked people, up walls. Basically, people had knocked one breeze block out of a yeah out of a bricked up doorway. So you get inside, and then it's absolutely pitch black, and that's half full of water and all sorts of things. Um, there was one that someone looked like it looked like someone had been living in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting place. But often you're crawling through like this tiny little hole, and then there's like a eight foot drop. Yeah. You don't know what's down there. 
I think if we were to go back and do that again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd go into a lot of those places. <laughs> no, I remember when you stood in that big puddle as well that was had a dead bird in it, and it all oh, filled yeah. up your shoe, and you had to. <laughs> it looked like a. I think it looked like a dead pigeon, or no, I mean a dead uh, like, penguin, or it was something. A puffin, or something. Yeah, like that. it was big and it was really waxy looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a little bit sketchy, but really nice series of works. We built built an Anderson shelter in the middle of the gallery as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was at Doomed Gallery um, yeah. with uh, Matt Martin, who we had on episode 21. Oh, yeah, um, true. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm, shout out. Shout out. Um, I'm going to stop saying shout out because obviously that kind of thing is inevitable. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go with one of the big questions that we do ask everyone. Um, what piece of advice would you give to an early career artist? Um, I think a really important one is to think of yourself as a business. Um to take that side of things seriously because if you're if you're looking to sort of make it further with galleries or um exhibitions working with curators or just working with anyone really and collaborating um it's good to think of yourself as a business because that sort of it it paints you in a good light um that, that you're switched on to to the admin side of things, which is really important, having numerous spreadsheets going about where your works are going, who's buying them, um, until you get until you get gallery representation. Um, even if you do, as gallery representation is becoming slightly less important these days, um, there are other ways to get your work out there and to connect with buyers and collectors. Mm. A lot of galleries seem. I mean, a lot of artists seem to just be working with whoever they like now. Mm. Um, yeah exhibiting all over the world so yeah i think um yeah taking the admin side of things seriously is important um also just being easy to work with i think is is a massive thing um mm. answering emails promptly being available um and just not being a diva is <laughs> uh, good yeah i would second all of that advice would you advise um to would you advise more artists to uh have a little dabble in curation and maybe would you advise more curators to have a little bit of a dabble in creation Mm, yeah i think it's it's always helpful i think in i think to have clearly defined roles in when it comes to exhibitions is is good though to have a curator and an artist separate but i think that having some experience in curation or vice versa is is definitely useful. I think it makes you look at things differently. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, it makes you maybe understand the position of yeah, the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously both of those, both sides of those things are, are very highly skilled in their own right. Yeah. Um, so you can't, I think, don't think you can become a master of both, but um, are we masters of both or are we masters of neither? Because we spread ourselves too thin. I don't know. That's a good point. (laughs) Probably neither. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we try our best. Yeah. That's all anyone can ask. (laughs) Um, I had a question in my mind then, but it's it's gone. Um, All right. Another one that I scribbled down. Um, What about the art world would you change if you had a magic wand? Uh, Elitism in it. Snobbishness. I think it's really counterproductive. And you find it a lot walking into certain galleries and name names no <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah just the snootishness 
Snootiness. 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 Yeah. Um, I Are think we a it's snooty just, gallery? I'd hope. I'd hope not. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think it's just. It's not very nice, is it? And, Do uh, snobby galleries know they're snobby? Probably not, no. Maybe we are. In fact, they know. probably don't give a shit either because they're just yeah. like, they're, if you just don't walk in wearing a suit and then they're not interested because they think you haven't got any money to buy any work. So Maybe we are the epitome of an elitist gallery. We just don't know it. Maybe. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, why do we exhibit paintings? Well, you're, you're a, yeah, you're a photographer. I Well, I've been doing paintings recently. Yeah, but. I don't know. Um, I mean, it, we didn't start out to do that, did we? Our first solo exhibition we put on was was a photography Carson. show, Carson yeah. Lancaster. But um, I, I don't know. I think maybe maybe the open call, the first open call that we did, changed the way that changed our audience. I think on Instagram, and also maybe changed it. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry to butt in. I haven't thought about that before. But yeah, I think you're right. It changed. It opened us up to a lot more artwork that we didn't know before. Yeah. And then instantly after that we were being exposed to a lot of contemporary painting, which I think then influenced what our output. Yeah, it influences your tastes, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. It's not to say that we'd never show photography or something. Well, we still do. We still do. Um, But but yeah, I think it's just, I think it's what you're you're around a lot, isn't it? Yeah, we're exposed to more painting, maybe. Yeah. And I suppose most people that we know are painters. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, maybe it's something... Do you think we need to make more of a conscious effort to alter that? Possibly, yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't know. All right. Something to think about 2021. All right. So what what work are you... What's your next uh, project? I've been working on uh, a project for... Well, I haven't worked on it for a while now, but, but it's been ongoing for a couple of years. Um, a project um, about Unit 731 in Harbin in China. Um, so I'm planning on going back there again soon once this, uh, once coronavirus disappears. And coronavirus? The... I haven't heard of it. <laughs> yeah. When the borders open up again, they go back to China and, and make some more. But I've been there a couple of times now um, making work about, the, yeah, Unit 731, which was a Second World War um, human uh, human testing lab, basically, um, run by the Japanese um and uh yeah so the, the buildings are still there um and so i've been documenting the 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 location of it um a lot of it was destroyed when um the war finished but there's still quite a lot there and and um and then i'm going to be trying to get in contact with some survivors as well um who have lived through it and who still live with the consequences of it years later is it um is there a unifying kind of theme to, or something that runs through most of your work? And is it harder to feel like you have a, a definable style in photography? I think aesthetically I have a, a style. I mean, do you but... think, say if for a painter, um, I think anything that we paint as individuals will kind of look individual. Mm. Is it harder to do that as a photographer? Yeah, I think maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think t- technique-wise, there's only so much you can do with a camera, isn't there? Mm. Um, I don't know. I think thematically, my work, quite a lot of my projects have been to do with social injustices, I suppose, in a in a broader term. I think a lot of your work is about um, about like the absence of people. 
Yeah. And that maybe the effect that they've had on their surroundings. Yeah, it's almost like <coughs> the scars that they've left behind, isn't it? Think horrible things that have happened involving people, but then the absence of people documented in, in photographs. Yeah. So like the I can't remember the series, what was it called? Uh the one that um in your grandparents' house. Yeah. What explain that a little bit? So it was called Relics, um, and it was a show about um when my granddad died and my gran uh, moved into a home nursing home um the house was going to be sold off um uh the house was going to be sold off and so uh, my family asked me if i wanted to go and have a look around and um, see if there was anything um in particular that i wanted to keep of theirs before uh, the contents were sold so I went there and then and realised that it was sort of the last time to to document a space that had played such a huge role in my in my growing up. So I went back and uh, yeah, took photos of of the whole place. Um, it had always been a house that was so full of life with my grandparents there and you know, family there and and uh, and stuff. And and then and for it to be empty, for it to be so empty and quiet um, was a very odd experience. Yeah, so that resulted in a in a in a book and an exhibition, um, and you came with me, didn't you, for to help move some of the stuff? Yeah, up. Yeah, that was a very strange experience for me because I was basically we only had like one day to do it, didn't we? Mm. So I had to come and we had to basically rifle through the possessions of these people that I'd never met and decide what was worth keeping and what wasn't. Mm. It was very, um, yeah, it was a strange experience. <coughs> but then the exhibition was really nice because it was well firstly there was the photographs documenting um the house but then also you salvaged a lot of physical items and used them sculpturally to Mm. make the exhibition space a little bit more like the space that you'd photographed yeah yeah so yeah it's it's interesting to to note that i think that that project came about almost out of necessity you felt like you needed to document this um this space and say Faino was um this island that we went to that we documented that you had no real personal connection with mm. and yet the way that you photographed both was very much in a way that was like recording w- recording a space after the humans had essentially left yeah and how it was they were both really still i think both series I think a lot of my work, it's like that. Yeah. It has a stillness to it. But again, that's because of the absence of people in it. Um, but yeah, I like, I like that. I like that feeling in photographs. It's, it's, it, it opens up lots of questions about um, what's happened before, why the, why the feeling of the space has changed, um, lots of things. So yeah, I, yeah, I very rarely photograph people. Mm. And it's also because I'm quite a shy person as well, so it makes me feel uncomfortable. I try and avoid it at all costs, really. <laughs> mm. um, so, yeah, photographing without people is is a dream, really. <laughs> <laughs> Where are all these... That's interesting, because you started photographing people BMXing. Yeah. Where are all these photos of people BMXing? Have you ever thought about using them? Uh, under my bed at my parents' house, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I'd ever use any of those, no. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a document of a time, but I don't... I, they don't really have much artistic value, I wouldn't say. Do you think the uh, BMXing and that subculture has influenced your artistic direction going forward? Because I was a skateboarder. Yeah. I think. 
I look at things through that prism always now. I think I think uh, the way that I've approached shows definitely is influenced by that because it comes from a sort of punk DIY sort of ethos. You just put on your own shows and blue tack work works up on the wall and, and sort of make it happen on your own. Yeah. And that was always a BMX type thing. Um, <coughs> build ramps and build jumps, dirt jumps and stuff. And so, yeah, I think that sort of um, outlook on stuff has definitely uh, definitely carried across into photography. Yeah, yeah, I can see how it would. All right, so the coronavirus special has ended or will end with this question. Um, what do you do when you're struggling for inspiration? I just, I go out and walk around as much as possible, just with a camera in my bag and just walk with no purpose. I think that's really good for opening you up into just looking at things and uh, yeah, seeing what's around you. And it's always easier for me to find inspiration when I'm in an area or a location that I'm not used to. And which which makes it quite tricky to make work on a daily basis because everything becomes normal to you um, in your immediate surroundings. So to to go out with the purpose of of not taking photos, especially, but just to sort of look, I think is really good at opening you up and making you see things that you maybe you wouldn't see on your daily routine um, that can sort of bring about inspiration. Because when it when you're abroad or when you're in a different location or when you're covering something for a particular purpose, it's it's much easier to to find inspiration and see interesting shots because you're not used to it. It's, everything's new. But when things become old, it become a little bit stale, maybe. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, then that can be the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening and wash your hands. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>